Welcome to the Adoption and Foster Care Journey, a podcast to encourage, educate, and equip you to care for children and youth through adoption, foster, and kinship care. Hosted by an adoptive mom with over 22 years of kinship and adoptive parenting experience, she's on this journey with you. Please welcome Sandra Flack. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. That is from 1 Thessalonians verse 5, chapter 5, verse 11. Um, I'm Sandra Flack, your host uh, of the Adoption and Foster Care Journey podcast. Um, and I'm so excited today to bring you my conversation with another amazing mom guest. Um, but before we get to our conversation, I want to let you know about some FASD resources that we have for you. Uh, fetal alcohol spectrum disorder um, is a spectrum of disorders that affect uh, people who were exposed to alcohol in the womb. Uh, in fact, FASD affects a majority of children in adoptive and foster placements. Many are not diagnosed or they're misdiagnosed. Um, and since I'm a mom of two teenagers, both diagnosed with fetal alcohol syndrome, um, and I've uh, just accumulated lots of training and experience over the years, I became a certified facilitator of the FACETS neurobehavioral model. Um, and the, the more I've learned, the more I am passionate that every adoptive foster and even kinship caregivers must have an understanding of FASD as a brain-based um, whole body disability and um, have that education and understanding. And I recently had the opportunity to work with the folks that focus on the family. Uh, I wrote a cornerstone article and an in-depth article about FASD and then went out to Colorado Springs with the focus on the family folks and recorded some video modules that accompany that um, article. It is on their Wait No More website, If you and they have a YouTube channel as well. Um, but you can also find a link to it and more information on my personal um, website, which is sandraflack.com. Um, so I hope that you will check it out. There is a link to that website um, and that article right in the show notes for this podcast. Um, so I hope that you will look at that. Um, and I also would love for you to check out another vital FASD resource we have for you. Natalie Vecchione of the FASD Hope Podcast and Sandra Flack of the Adoption and Foster Care Journey Podcast would like to invite you to join their Hope for the FASD Journey, a virtual support community for parents and caregivers raising individuals with an FASD, diagnosed or not. This faith-based community includes an online bi-monthly support group, a monthly VIP conversation, and a private Facebook group which includes a video devotional from Natalie and Sandra every Saturday. To register, visit justicefororphansny.org forward slash training forward slash F-A-S-D. In addition, uh, to our online support group. Um, I offer coaching sessions for parents and caregivers along with in-person and online FASD workshops. 
And we've got some of those coming up um, on Tuesday, February 13th uh, at 1 p.m. Eastern time. I'm offering a free lunch and learn. It's an introduction to FASD. Um, it's an hour. It runs a little over because I take time to answer questions at the end. Um, and I, I don't rush off that call. So um, that that intro, that lunch and learn is perfect. Um, if you're a foster or adoptive or kinship caregiver, just learning about FASD. Um, or uh, if you have, maybe you know about FASD, but if you have others in your child's life that you think should have a better understanding, a lot of times grandparents uh, will take uh, that training. Um, we've had um bus drivers. There's also, uh, I think it would also be great for youth group leaders, Sunday school teachers, pastors, um, school teachers, um, you know, next door neighbors, babysitters, anybody who is really um, spending time with your kids that you believe would benefit from having a better understanding of FASD. Um, the lunch and learn, the intro um, is a great place to do that. It's free. Um, and we really, we really, um, give them a really good understanding of FASD and um, some tools to help when interacting with your child. Um, I'm also offering a deep dive into FASD. This is 18 hours worth of content using the FACETS neurobehavioral model. Uh, I break it into six three-hour sessions. Um, they're live. We do them through Zoom. Um, and the first one begins on February 1st. It's a Thursday night so it's um, six Thursday evenings um, at 7 p.m. Eastern time. It's three hours uh, and um, it's coming up shortly. So if you that, if that's something that you're interested in, you're going to need to hop on um, and register for that class. Um, you would register for all of our FASD workshops, including the coaching, and you'd find more about the uh, support group if you go to our website, justicefororphansny.org. Uh, you'll see a tab at the top that says training. And if you click that, there's a drop-down box. And when you see FASD, click that and all of our FASD resources are right there. So before we begin, I also would love for you to subscribe or follow this podcast, whatever uh, the platform is that you listen to your podcast, leave us a review. Um, also, uh, if, if you maybe found us on YouTube or didn't know, but we are also now posting all of our podcasts, the video version um, on YouTube. So you can check them out there if you want to watch a podcast. Um, so now to our guest today, I'm super excited to bring to you Lori Anderson. Kind of cracks me up because I have a dear friend. Um, her name is Lori Anderson too. So um, I have to keep them straight on social media. But this Lori Anderson that we're going to talk with today is married uh, to her husband, Ron, for 42 years. She's the mother of three adult sons and her acquired 25-year-old daughter. We're going to find out about that. Lori also has six precious grandchildren. Her daughter, Tannen, um, is diagnosed with FASD and has the alphabet soup of diagnoses that we often talk about, uh, including ADHD and some mental health challenges. Lori has worked to learn all she can about FASD. Uh, along the way, she became a moderator of Jeff Noble's FASD Caregiver Success Group. We've had Jeff on this podcast before as uh, a guest. Um, she is also a mentor in Jeff's Caregiver Kickstart Coaching Program. Lori's 
focus on relationships, harm reduction, and interdependence helps parents and caregivers to keep their loved ones safe while maintaining their own sanity and ensure that their kids know they have a safe, understanding, and non-judgmental place to land. So important with our kids. Please welcome Lori Anderson. Hey, Lori. Hi. I am so excited to have you on the show. We've we connected through social media, um, and then I was just I was just chatting with you about the fact that I have a dear friend um, that I've known for over twenty years. Her name is also Lori Anderson, and she has awesome haircut as you do, and amazing <laughs> style. So I feel like I'm talking to my other friend Lori, but now you're my new friend, Lori. There you go. I love it. And I, you know, I, I'm sure she spells her name the right way. <laughs> well, actually, she doesn't use the E. She's L-A-U-R-I, but everything oh, else. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Now, the yeah. Scottish way, but uh, yeah, I always go, but it's the right way. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I use the E, but yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so Fine. nice. And, you know, it's, I feel like because we followed each other on social media that we, we already know so much about each other that it it feels like we're, you know, we are truly friends. So yes, yes. Same here. Um, But I do want to get to so our listeners will know. So in your introduction, uh, I mentioned that you have an acquired daughter. Can you explain what that means? Sure. So I met my daughter Tannen when she was in grade one, and I was matched as her in school mentor. And um, I always wanted to be a big sister um, through Big Brothers Big Sisters and just didn't have the time with three boys that were very busy in sports, you know, hockey, baseball, football, all the things. Um, I didn't know any parents that were going to let me show up at two o'clock in the morning when I had time. So uh, when I got the opportunity through my um, my job to volunteer as an in-school mentor, I jumped at it. And so I was matched with Tannen and I knew immediately that this was a little girl who just needed somebody to love her. Not because um, I was supposed to, not because she was blood related, not because of any reason other than she existed. Um, She came from a a family that was struggling. They, you know, poverty, uh, domestic violence, Um, intergenerational trauma. She's Indigenous. Um, Grandparents were residential school survivors. Um, And, you know, I didn't know all of that at the time, but I knew that she needed somebody, right? It just was this intuitive. And, you know, she was this little shy girl. She couldn't figure out why I was showing up every week and why I wanted to spend time with her because her experience was no right? Not the kids at school, not her family, not, you know, she had a, a principal at her school who was amazing and, and loved her um, so much and was um, one of her biggest champions. But for the most part, you know, there was this little girl who was on her own. So we were matched um, in grade three. She was taken into care for the first time that I was aware of. And at the time, I worked for um, Children's Services, and the crisis unit was across the alley from my building. And I actually looked, my office looked over the alley, and I could see the windows into the crisis unit. And I couldn't go see her. 
I couldn't let her know that it was going to be okay that I would find her because in-school mentors can only have contact in school. Wow. So I called our, um, our caseworker and I said, we need to move this match. I, I need to be her big sister. You know, she needs to know that there's somebody out there who's going to find her no matter where she goes. And so we did that. By the time that was all finished, um, she and her ch- and her three brothers were back with um, her uh, biological mom, but they were still struggling. They were, you know, mom didn't know how she was going to make ends meet, and um, it was it was hard. So. Um, you know, I would pick her up every week and we would go do something. Often it was, um, I would take her to eat because she hadn't had breakfast or lunch or um, so. And, you know, she would sit there and she would eat a very small portion of whatever I got her. And I'm, you know, finally said to her, I said, honey, you know what? I'll make you a deal. You eat all your food and we'll go buy something for your brothers. You can take something home for and your mom. And she's like, really? And I'm like, yeah. So, you know, we started doing that. And I would take her out beginning of school year. And because she she had five brothers, um, she only got boys' hand-me-downs, right? Mm-hmm. So she'd never had a skirt. So I'd take her shopping before the start of school because she wanted to start school wearing a skirt. Um, and, you know, we I taught her how to knit while we we, we practice knitting. I don't know that she, <laughs> I could say she learned, but we would do that. You know, um, she, I had asked boys and girls um, for a little girl match. And, you know, I wanted some pink in my life. And I got a little girl who walked like a boy, talked like a boy, <laughs> moved like a boy, you know, because that's who her influences were. Right. And so, you know, I, she loved my nails. Um, I always get my nails done. So I would paint her nails and we would, you know, go for hot chocolate and to movies. And, you know, we did a lot of activities. Um, uh, I bigs, as I call them, uh, gets you lots of free tickets to different events. So we went to hockey games and baseball games and concerts and, um, and because I work for children's services, I learned, to be an advocate for her because there was nobody um, speaking up for her. So she was reunited with mom and then um, probably about eight months later, things did not, were not going well and the kids were taken into care again. And this time it was permanent. And so I would, um, you know, connect with her caseworkers, find out where she was. Um, You know, they moved from, an emergency placement to, uh, you know, a temporary placement and then finally into, you know, foster care. And her foster placement wasn't great, right? Mm -hmm. It was, um, you know, a mom who was uh, not really interested in accommodating and um, everything in that home was focused around church or chores. So um, they didn't do anything social unless it was related with, to the church. She wasn't allowed to play 
baseball or basketball or do, you know, soccer or any of those things. Um, and she was put into activities that she didn't do well at, you know. Um, she loved to sing, but she couldn't follow the instructions. She, um, you know, so choir was a chore. It wasn't, mm -hmm. it wasn't fun, right? And then, um, but I would advocate for them and, you know, for her and, and her brothers as well, but for her in particular. And I'd get to know all the caseworkers, right? So worked really closely. I wasn't your normal, your average big sister, right? Um, because I had the opportunity and I had the connections, right? And so um, when she she got to be about 13, 14, our relationship changed a little bit and she started being a little bit more distant and being a little more um, challenging, right? And she started experimenting with, you know, first it was smoking, then it was drinking, and then there were some drugs involved. And I could, I knew what was going on because of Facebook, right? Because she was posting all these <laughs> pictures on Facebook. And so I reached out to the caseworker and I said, you know, I'm really concerned. This is what's going on. You know, sent her some pictures. They went and talked to her and she said, you know, I'm, uh, um, I don't need a big sister anymore. I'm not doing those things. No, I tried, but you know, I don't like it. Lied through her teeth, right? And she said, uh, you know, I've learned all I can from Lori. All she does is talk. And I just, you know, I don't need a big sister anymore. And mm -hmm. what she was saying is she didn't want me to know what she was doing. It wasn't that she didn't need me. So I, you know, they wanted to close the match. And I was like, nope, nope, we're not closing this match. And I said, she'll come back to me. You know, it's just a matter of time. I don't know when, but she'll come back. So we went about 18 months. And in that time, I got messages from friends saying, um, have you seen what Tannen's doing? Because, of course, she unfriended me. Um, oh, yeah. And I'm like, no, I don't. So they'd send me, you know, snips of uh, um, pictures of what she was doing. And I would reach out to caseworkers and, you know, you know, try and, and advocate for her. But in, at the end of the day, you know, I just had to trust that she was going to come back to me. So um, I was changing jobs. And the only phone number that Tannen had was my cell phone number. And I was going to have to turn that cell phone in. And I was going to get a new number. And I thought, oh, you know, how are we going to do this? And I, you know, I was worried about the fact that I wasn't, she wasn't going to be able to get a hold of me. And the day before my last day at this job, at the job I had at the time, I got a message from Tannen. Oh. And I was like, oh my goodness. So I phoned the foster home, the last placement that I knew of, and they were, uh, Tannen doesn't live here anymore. And I said, well, do you know how I can reach her? No, nope. they didn't care. Mm -hmm. So I was, um, had phoned some of my contacts at Children's Services to find out, you know, who was her caseworker because they changed so often. 
And in that process, she called me back. And um, she was now living in a group home. And the group home manager had seen a picture of the two of us. And she said, who's that? And she said, well, that's my old big sister. <laughs> and she said, well, what do you mean by that? She says, well, she's not my big sister anymore. And she said, well, why? And she said, well, I hurt her really badly. I told her mm -hmm. I didn't need her anymore. And she said, oh, well, who is she for you? And she said, well, she gave me my, my voice. She taught me how to speak up for myself and how to tell people what I need. Mm -hmm. And she said, the manager said to her, well, if she was that for you, you should call her. And she says, oh, I can't. She, she'd be so mad at me. And she says, mm -hmm. I don't think so. And so she called and we picked up where we left off. Um, but now she was addicted to crystal meth. Mm. She was addicted to alcohol and her mental health was down the tubes completely. You know, all we know that, you know, 90% of, of individuals who have FASD also have mental health issues, right? And without supports, it's, and she hadn't had any supports in that time. So, um, I mean, they were trying but they weren't FASD informed support. So, yeah. um, so we picked up where we left off and I started, you know, I reached out to her caseworker immediately and, you know, we set up meetings and um, they started inviting me to their meetings at the group home uh, because I knew her better than anyone, right? I could give them insights that they didn't have and that Tannen couldn't give them. Mm -hmm. And as she was, Age, you know, getting closer to aging out of care, they asked me if I would become her legal guardian and trustee. It mm. was it was a natural transition because I was the one. And so um, I talked to my family. They all, you know, the boys and my husband said, well, you're already doing it. Why not do it with the authority that you should have? <laughs> and so um, I did. And, um, you know, it was a... a a lengthy process, but we, you know, we finally got through when she turned 18, they started, um, the government started treating me as if I was the legal guardian, even though I hadn't legally, re you know, gotten the, um, the authority yet. And um, we worked together. The first thing I did was I got her into treatment. And, mm -hmm. you know, we got her into uh, um, an in Indigenous treatment program. They kept her safe for four months. Um, again, wouldn't accommodate FASD, wouldn't, you know, she was 18 going on eight, right? But they yeah. expected adult behavior. And it was like, uh, uh, sorry, she can't do that. Um, but they kept her safe for four months. So she's been clean of crystal meth for seven years, four mm -hmm. months, 24 days. Alcohol has proven more difficult. So we're, you know, we're struggling with that. Um, she's just agreed um, to go into another treatment program. We have one here in Alberta that um, I am so pleased about because it's, um, it's for women who have FASD. Oh, wow. The only one I think in Canada 
that is focused, um, you know, has that FASD and trauma lens. So we're um, we're on the wait list, and she will um, hopefully two to three months, and she'll be in the program. It's a forty-two day program, but she can stay as long as needed. And wow. they they actually had one woman who was there for two years. Wow! So their focus is for pregnant women, um, you know, and um, that who that's who gets first priority. But I am really, really excited that she wants this now. And, right. you know, she's yeah. willing to take this step. So, you know, we're, we're make, doing all the things, right? But yeah, so she became, um, you know, immediately she started calling me mom. I said, she says, what do oh. I call you? And I said, you can call me whatever you want, you know. Um, but she, she calls me mom. She, um, for all intents and purposes, she is part of our family. And in December, um, she just, we um, applied for her to change her name. Um, her, her biological dad um, is around, bio, bio mom passed away 12 years ago. Um, mm-hmm. Bio dad, um, I also believe it has FASD um, as did mm. mom undiagnosed. Wow. Um, and he struggles with how to be in relationship with Tana. Um, He's, mm. he's abandoned her three or four times now. And he's a little scared of me because he knows he has to go through me to um, see her and I won't let him do what he's done in the past. So we don't have a relationship. Um, I don't know if she ever will, um, and her last name was a trigger for her, mm-hmm. right? So it just reminded her that, you know, he was part of her life. And so we applied. She, I, I wanted her to keep her Indigenous name or culture and, um, you know, stay with that. So what we did is hyphenated our last name with her um, biological mom's maiden name. So she will... She is now Tannen Red Crow Anderson, and wow. we we gave her um, we got all the you know her her new birth certificate and her the change of name forms just before Christmas. So I wrapped them up, framed mm-hmm. them, and wrapped them up, and I gave them to her for Christmas. And wow. it was the last thing that she opened, and um, it was very emotional for all of us. And um, She's just so happy that she, she, you know, she yelled out, I'm an Anderson now, right? It was so, so, you know, we haven't legally adopted because I don't want her to lose her Indigenous culture. I don't want her to lose all of the supports that she's entitled to as an Indigenous person. And so... Um, I'm really connected to um, an, an aunt and some family in um, Saddle Lake, her, her reserve. And so we stay connected. We do all of those things. Um, but, and, and they are very appreciative of, of what I do for Tan and, and treat me as family as well. So it's been, um, it's been an awesome journey and, and um you know, the boys call her sister, you know, and Aww. when, um, 
when she made this announcement Christmas morning and unwrapped this, the, the birth certificate, um, I was so proud of my boys because they all came and she was sitting on the floor and they all came down. They got down on her level one-on-one -on -one with her and said, show me this. Let me see this. And my one son looked at her and said, well, it's about <clears throat> time, right? <laughs> and they, um, so, you know, they love her to pieces. They worry about yeah. her. And, you know, it's it's really cool. My husband, she calls Pops. He struggles because he's in his he's in his 70s and he struggles with the, the shift in, you know, parenting. Um, and, you know, he's slowly, slowly coming around. But they have the cutest relationship because my husband's also neurodiverse. He... Mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, suffered, uh, he was an RH baby when he was born. And so he wasn't just a blue baby, he was black. So clearly lack of oxygen. Yeah. And, you know, but never accommodated, never treated as, like, oh, brain-based, right? And right. so the more I learned about Tannin and FASD, the more I looked at my husband and went, oh my goodness, <laughs> I have been living with neurodiversity my entire life, right? And um, our youngest son has um, ADHD and Tourette's and anxiety. And our other two boys also are, um, you know, have some anxiety issues and neurodiversity. So, um, you know, I've been surrounded by it. And I guess that's what prepared me to, to take this on and to, to be her champion, be her advocate. And um here we are. And now I'm, you know, yeah. fully immersed in the world of FASD and educating and coaching yeah. and working with parents. Yeah. So, well, I want to ask you, because um, Tan was six when you be when yeah. you started mentoring yeah. and going into the school. Did you did you know about her FASD? Like at what point in this whole story did you understand that she was prenatally exposed and then you had to learn about FASD? So. I, you know, working for children's services, I supported um, a committee called the Social Care Facilities Review Committee, who went out to foster homes and group homes and daycares and, and met with foster parents and, and providers. And so we did training on FASD. And through that, I was aware of what FASD was. And it became really clear to me really early that this might be something that was going on. And I asked um, Biggs if they could tell me, and you know they couldn't reveal anything, but they didn't deny it, right? <laughs> so um, I, I pretty much knew um, probably about six months in into our match that that's what we were dealing with, right? Um, she struggled in class, she was impulsive, she had all of the classic, um issues um couldn't re you know couldn't read couldn't do math all of those things so it wasn't until uh probably when i when i became her big sister that um they finally you know confirmed that yes tannin had fasd and so she was diagnosed quite young um through the school actually and mm -hmm. um you know, but again, no accommodations, difficult to support. The school tried, 
But, you know, she was bullied, she was ostracized, you know, she was isolated. And nobody understood this little girl who came to school in dirty clothes and, you know, mm -hmm. um, would have her head shaved when, you know, lice would go through the school. And it was too hard to, you know, to pick the nits out. So mom would shave her, her head. So, you know, she just had so many strikes against her like so many yeah. challenges and you know it was just really really important to me that she knows somebody cared yeah yeah right and you're in Canada so yeah for our listeners who might be thinking how do you get diagnosed at school Canada works a little bit differently I think you it, guys are it, ahead of the U.S. in a lot of ways when it comes to FASD it, it does and I don't know you may have heard Jeff uh, Noble talking about Dr. Gail Anders and um, who is the one that says a diagnosis of FASD is a diagnosis for two, for yeah. child and birth mom. And so Dr. Andrews is, is here in Edmonton um, at the Glen Rose Hospital. And so they worked out, um, Tana went to school in an inter inner city school and they had a doctor at the time that would travel between these inner city schools and help with doing these diagnoses. So um, that's, I don't think they have the program anymore, but um, Canada is a little further ahead than the US in, on yeah. the diagnostics. You know, we have, um, you know, FASD as a diagnosis, you either with facial features or with without, um, but facial features aren't required for a diagnosis. Um, we don't, um, head circumference isn't used anymore. Size isn't used anymore. Um, you know, we have the CANFASD research um, network that is amazing. Um, you know, they've just come out with the mental health toolkit that uh, for um, service providers, and it's fantastic. They've got so many resources and are doing such amazing work in the field of FASD. So we're really lucky to have you know, Dr. Mella, who's done the first medication algorithm. Yes. Um, Dr. Jackie Pye, who does the Towards Healthy Outcome, and her student, Vanessa Jolly. And so we're really fortunate to be so connected here in Canada with some amazing researchers who are doing fantastic work. Yeah. And we're learning. We get to learn, thankfully, with technology. We can connect with them and we're yeah. learning so much. How did, um, Lori, how did you begin to learn more and more about FASD to better support Tannen? What was your journey like in, in understanding this? Well, so, you know, when I was her big sister, you know, I thought I knew enough. I thought I knew it. You know, I had access to the um, FASD um, unit that we had in government. I, um, you know, I would take my questions to them. They would answer them. So I thought I had it. <laughs> you know, it was pretty cocky. <laughs> little did I know right when I became when she aged out of care and you know I had her um we were we weren't just dealing with FASD but we were dealing with the addiction issue and right. mental health and so I you know was panicked because you know she, we got her into treatment she was there for four months and that entire four months, I was working on how to find a placement for her. I mean, my, hus my husband was on board with what I was doing. 
but this was my thing. It wasn't, you know, so he wasn't um, real supportive right at that point in time of having Tana come and live with us or any, that type of thing. So, you know, she qualified for our PDD, which is persons with developmental disabilities um, funding. So, you know, I was working with them to find her a, a placement, a group home um, that could support her. And what I learned really early was there wasn't, it, it wasn't going to happen. Mm. It, there was nothing that could keep her safe. And so I was panicked. I was reaching out to everyone that I knew, um, you know, within government, within Big Brothers, Big Sisters, Liz O'Neill, our executive director has been with Biggs for 40 years. She's amazing. She's known internationally with the, the, Big Brothers Big Sisters um, for the work that she does. She was reaching out to all her nonprofit folks to help me find supports. Um, and then I, you know, I did search on Facebook, FASD. And I came mm. up with, I went, oh my goodness, there's support groups. There, there's pages for this. And I found Jeff's group, the FASD Caregiver Success Group. And I found um a few other groups that I joined and um, I started asking questions and learning and Jeff put out, um, Hey folks, you know, welcome to our new members. Hey, you know, I'm really interested in knowing what caregivers need and what they, you know, are missing. Um, so if you're interested in talking to me, drop me, you know, send me your phone number. And I, I really like to call you. So I was sitting out at our cottage. We have a cottage out at um, not too far from where we live um, on a lake. And I was sitting out at the cottage and my phone rang and I didn't recognize the number. And I I thought, I don't know who this is, right? So <laughs> didn't answer. Sorry, Jeff. <laughs> and he um, left a message. And I went, oh my God, it's Jeff. So I phoned him right back. And he was like, oh, you were screening my calls. And I'm like, no, I just, <laughs> anyway. So we had, we, you know, we spoke for like an hour and a half about wow. the challenges and what we were doing. And, you know, it was really cool. And so I just became more and more and more involved in um, his group, shifting the paradigm, all, you know, all of the FASG groups that, um, that I could connect with, right? And started to get to know parents, right? Developing relationships. And probably a year in, I um, got a call from Jeff and he said, you know, we really love the way you connect in our group and, and interact with all our members. Would you be interested in being one of my moderators? And so I started doing that. And then I decided, you know, I need to do his caregiver kickstart. And that's when things really changed for me. Understanding the brain domains, the research that's being done, um, understanding can't, not won't. Understanding mm -hmm. symptoms versus behaviors. Yeah. You know, those are massive shifts. And when I made those shifts... And then I was able to, um, you know, really work with um, 
the providers that we had. So what I ended up doing was um, I realized that we tried a group home. It was a complete and utter disaster. They made things worse. Um, and so I ended up with what we call a PDD um, family managed services contract where I hire a support home. So I found people who were willing to have Tan and live with them. Um, they pay them or they pay me and I pay them. So I'm the employer mm -hmm. and I train them. And um, so we've been through a couple of support homes um, and the one that she's in now, she's been in for almost five years and mm -hmm. yeah. And it, it's, it's really cool because I get to work with them. We get to problem solve together. Um, they're committed. Um, it's a family that has two kids, an older son and a younger son. And Tana is part of their family. Right. Mm. And then my um, youngest son provides respite for them. And so mm. she has, um, she said, and, and we do a lot of respite, right? We know this is, you're going to burn out caregivers if you don't have the proper amount of respite. So, um, you know, Tannen spends um, every second weekend with us. And when she's struggling and her mental health is not doing well, um, she'll come and stay with us for however long until I can get her stabilized again. And um, it works well, works well for her, works yeah. well for us. And, and and you're able to train the family yeah. Yeah. on FASD. So it's a yeah. better fit than just a group home. It is. It is because, um, you know, I'm not going through a group home agency. I'm not having to navigate the manager, the supervisor, the staff. Um, and quite frankly, if, you know, when I interview a home and thankfully I haven't had to do it all that often, um, it's, I, you need to be willing to learn and adjust the way you, you see the world. And if you're not willing to do that, then I can't have you, you know, I, I can't hire. You're not a good fit. You're not a good fit. So, um, you know, and, and that's not to say it's perfect because we all struggle with making, you know, the ruts in our brains run really deep and yeah. old habits die hard. Right. So, you know, it's, it's hard for everybody, even those, those of us that, that get it, um, have our moments. Right. So yeah. when that happens, we, you know, I just am there to remind them, Hey, this is what's happening. This is what's going on. Right. Tannen is complicated. She's got so much trauma, you know, from yeah. abandonment issues, food insecurity, um, you know, abuse. Um, she's, she's had it all right. Yeah. And, and at a very young age. So, um, Trauma complicates FASD big time, right? Yeah, that's what I was going to say, because our listeners are primarily adoptive and foster parents. Mm -hmm. So our kids, you know, it's a given, they're all going to come in having experienced trauma loss. And many yeah. of them have yeah. have an FASD, most likely not even diagnosed or misdiagnosed. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the whole, the whole thing, it gets so much more complicated when it's both of those things. And quite often it is both of those things. 
Yeah. I often say that, you know what, I can handle the FASD. It's the trauma that, that I, it is, it comes out of the blue trauma versaries. Oh my goodness. We're going through, (laughs) um, Tannen's, um, birth mom, her mom's, um, birthday is in January, early in January. So we go right from Christmas (laughs) and all of that. And we know what that can be like for our kids. And yeah. into um, the traumaversary of her mom's birthday. And then the anniversary of her mom's death is the end of February. And so mm, we have yeah. three months of um, traumaversary hell, as I call it. And, wow. you know, even though we know it's coming, we know yeah. this is what's going on. Um, it's not predictable. It's not um, the same every year. You know, it. Yeah. something different happens. And so, you know, we learn to, to navigate it and we go, Oh, well, that one, Whoa, didn't expect that. And, you know, and then we deal with it. You know, she also has a boyfriend that she's had for um, four and a half years. So it'll be five mm-hmm. years in April. Um, it's not your typical boyfriend, girlfriend relationship. They, he lives on an acreage about 40 minutes away from us, 45 minutes away. And so they don't see each other as often. He also has um, a disability, um, not FASD, but some symptoms very similar to, to mm-hmm. Tannen's. And so I have a really good connection with um, his mom. And the two of us work together to support them. And what does a healthy relationship look like? And how do you support each other? And, you know, I have a commitment to them when I hear them talking um, angrily. I step in and go, ah, we agreed we wouldn't talk like that. You know, we're not saying we're not using those words. And or I'll text her boyfriend and say, "Um, we decided we weren't using that word. So, you know, (laughs) he never responds to my texts but he always picks up the phone and calls her and apologizes and then they move on. And um, so we work really, really well together with, um, with each other. And, you know, you know, I don't know what the future holds for them. They, they, they do want to be together and eventually, you know, live together, whether that means they get married or whatever, I'm not sure, but, you know, we'll support them in, in those goals. Right. And, um, you know, it's, uh, but it can be a challenge, (laughs) another challenge, right? Because we know relationships are hard for our kids, friendships, romantic relationships, relationships. Um, Tana knows that I'm the one person who's been there for her, um, for the majority of her life, but she's still, because of those abandonment issues, that those trauma issues, she's still, you know, her first inclination and when she does something wrong, she'll, you know, pack her nap, her backpack and, and run. Right. Mm. So, you know, we've limited, she doesn't run as often anymore, but we still have those times where, you know, she's, you know, I get a phone call going, I don't know what's going on, but Ted and just left the house. She's wearing, you know, <laughs> It's um, December, early December, and it's cold outside, and she's got on a mini skirt. And, uh, you know, well, we're not sure what's going on, but that backpack is pretty full. And, you know, I'll phone her and 
what's going on. And well, she had a fight with her, with a friend and the whole world was falling apart. Nobody cares, you know, and um, I'm just going to run and I don't know where I'm going. And I don't know. It's, you know, that flight reflex, you know, um, when they go into their amygdala and they're in that, you know, lizard brain um, where they're just reacting um anything can happen right so no we uh I was able to talk her down and (laughs) went and picked her up and you know we we deal with it one one day at a time one step at a time every day is a new day we start over no blame no shame we just start over right that is wonderful. I mean, you're such just your your investment and your love for her and your dedication is just um, remarkable. I, I just think it's wonderful. Um, what? Let me ask you, Lori, because your your interaction and, and all of your experience and everything you do with Jeff's group and your lived experience with your daughter. Um, what What are some of the best tools or techniques or um, you know advice maybe? that you would give a, a parent who's struggling, adoptive foster parent um, who's struggling with their kiddo? Um, what are some of the best things a parent can do? Well, the first thing is, you know, symptoms, not behaviors. Right. Behaviors are, you know, we think of them as willful, deceitful, yeah. all of those things, right? Yeah. Their behaviors are a form of communication. So all behavior is yeah. trying to get a need met, right? So when we understand that it's a symptom of their disability and we're dealing with the disability, then it's not personal. We don't have to take it personally. And that's not easy. But when we can remind ourselves of that, then we know they're not choosing to do something. Behavior indicates a choice and they're not choosing any of this. It's a reaction. It's them, you know, I often say their brain's on fire, right? Mm. And there's nobody there to put the fire out. And, you know, that's when we have the meltdown. So that's when we have the aggression. That's when we have all of those behaviors that, you know, we think are willful, deceitful, manipulative, right? So when we understand symptoms versus behaviors, and whether you have the diagnosis or not, this works, right? Yeah, that's right. The, be- the behaviors, are, you know, are are symptoms of whatever's going on for them, right? Whether it's FASD, autism, trauma, whatever, it's it's all the same, you know. At the end of the day, so symptoms versus behaviors. Understanding that kids will do if they can. They don't wake up in the morning and go, I'm going to be an asshole today. Pardon the language. Yeah. Right? They don't do right. that. They get up in the morning. They want to have a good day. They want to have friends. They want desperately to be normal. Yeah. Whatever normal is. So when we, you know, and, and they have a warped sense of what normal is. My daughter wants an Instagram life. You know, she has 25,000, almost 25,000 followers on TikTok. Wow. Now, how, how she got there, I have no idea, right? 
but she is. And so I had to embrace this is something she's passionate about. Mm-hmm. She's worked hard to get that many followers. And as much as TikTok scares the living crap out of me, mm-hmm. I had to learn to be comfortable with it. And so what I did was I said to her, okay, Tana, tell me about this. What's the, help me understand why you like it so much. And, you know, what's your goal? What do you want to do? Do you want to be an influencer? Do you want to be, you know? And so, you know, she sent me some YouTube videos. Mom, you got to watch this. Mom, you got to watch this. She was very excited. I wanted to learn, right? Um, And so I have her teach me about that. But, you know, there are times when I have to go, okay, Tannen, I I, I saw that TikTok and I'm I'm not so sure that that's a good one. (laughs) And then can we talk about, okay, mom, I'll take it down, right? And then other times I have to look at it and go, "Mm, I may not be comfortable in my body to do that. Tannen is um, a plus size woman and um, she likes to show a little more than I would be comfortable showing. (laughs) So I have to, you know, go, okay, well, you know, Clearly, I'm not comfortable in my my body. I don't have the same confidence that she has in her in her body. So I've had to learn which hills to die on. Um, mm-hmm. And the hill that I die on is safety. Yeah. First mm-hmm. and foremost, everything else is negotiable, right? Wow. So, um, so adjusting, um, understanding there's going to be values clashes, right? Um, and that's okay, but we're going to have to let go of some of those long held values that our parents taught us. Yeah. Right. Do you really, is the hill to die on whether they eat dinner at the the kitchen table with the family, if that's overwhelming for them, you know, can they eat at a table somewhere else? Right. But if we force them to eat at that table, it's life is going to be hell for them and for us. Yeah. Right. And we're not help. We're, we're creating more of the problems. So, you know, how do we adjust to their needs, accommodate what they need, understanding that yeah. they're not doing this to us. They're not doing That's right. it to make us feel bad, to make us frustrated, to be just because they want to. You know, so when we can accommodate those needs, when we can make those adjustments, right, Um, and find community. Mm, Yes. Find community. You know, one of the things um, that I loved about when I joined um, FASD Caregiver Success, the the big Facebook group that Jeff has, um, was, oh, my goodness, I'm not the only one. Yeah. I'm not the only one. And then through the caregiver kickstart, the community that is formed is Mm. unbelievable. It is through the coaching calls. We get to know each other so well. I mean, uh, some of my, the the best friends I have in the world, um, I didn't meet until last May in person. 
I've known them for five years. We've never met in person until Jeff had a, an event in Florida and we got to meet, right? Like yeah. we, um, I have friends all over the U.S. now, um, mm -hmm. Austria, the U.K., um, and we are best friends. We know each other yeah. so well because we've shared what our family experience is like. We, you know, we ask about that. And you know what? We can make it to the next day because we know we're not alone. That community yeah. is massive. So find community. Yeah, right? that's that's so important. I know you know Debbie Raymond, I'm sure. I do. Um, yes. Debbie and I are and great Debbie, friends. Yeah, me too with Debbie. And because uh, I, I know she was in Florida um, with Wyatt. And yeah. she, she and I co-lead um, a support group for parents. It's yeah. a faith-based um you know fasd support group but that's it's key to to be it, able to know that you're not on this journey alone because nobody else understands this journey unless you're living it no. right unless you're living it you have no idea and you know what i love about um just caregiver kickstart program is you get to bring a buddy so that can be your husband your wife it can be um you know your your parent uh, you know, grandparents, it can be um, uh, an aunt, you know, uh, it can be whoever. We have some where it's a, uh, actually a teacher at the school or a caseworker at the school, right? Like, so he, it's it's building community. It, it's yeah. building that, that support net, network that you need, right? It's so cool. Yeah. Wonderful. So for our listeners who might not be familiar with Jeff Noble's group, and I know he's got a podcast and there's the yeah, character yeah. for Kickstart, where can we go to learn more about Jeff's Jeff Noble stuff? So Jeff Noble is FASDsuccess.com. And um, he has uh, his podcasts are there. His books are available there. Um, and Jeff also has a wait list for the caregiver Kickstart. Um, program and he um, so usually takes um, registrations for that program in the fall so late October early November and then it's a six months pro since six month program and um, you know he usually does a free workshop before that so you you know if you're interested you can also join um, his Facebook group it's um, Fetal Alcohol Spectrum Disorder Caregiver Success um, on Facebook. And if you if you search FASD Caregiver Success, you'll find it. And, you know, there, we have a few rules, you know, the normal rules, be nice, um, no spam. We don't want you selling anything on it. <laughs> and um, we are bio mom friendly and we stick by that pretty, pretty hard. Um, no mom, no mom ever plans to do harm to their child. That's right. Right. So um, we have um, bio moms, foster parents. We have um, parents like me. We have, you know, all kinds of caregivers in our groups. So um, it's uh, it's pretty amazing. And it's a pretty, yeah. pretty cool support group. Um, so you know, that's, that's where we are. Um, yeah. We'll put a link in the show notes so that folks can find it's um, mm -hmm. FASS.com, I believe is the, is the website. Yeah, FASD, FASD yep. Yeah. 
Yeah. And you are, you're a coach now, correct? Yeah. T- tell yeah. us about that. So um, Jeff, as you know, we went to the graduated from the CKS and you can do the CKS once you're in, you can do it um, numerous times. And um, he asked if anybody wanted to be a mentor. And so I volunteered to be a mentor in the group and um, did that for about a year. And then uh, Jeff reached out and said, you know, I'm looking for some more coaches. Would you be interested? And I said, heck yeah, I'm, I'm in, um, and I need more training. And, you know, and he says, yeah, I'm in, um, that's what we're going to do. So, um, I've now been a coach for going on two years and, um, loving it. You know, um, I work with, um, you may, you, you might know Michael Harris, um, Barb Clark, um, Christine Bothenkamp, um, mm-hmm. myself, uh, and Jeff are, are um, coaching. And so we have this range of experience and we all bring um, something that we're good at. You know, for me, um, I have a focus on harm reduction. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I use that philosophy with Tannen um, because safety is the hill that I that I die on, right? right? So how can we meet your need and um, keep you safe at the same time? Um, and, you know, I really believe strongly in interdependence. I mm-hmm. wish yeah. I wish the disability world, I wish the world would just get rid of the world, the word independence. We, That's none right. of us are independent. We all need somebody. And right. so, um, you know, one of the things I, I really work hard to teach Tannen is that we all need somebody yeah. and it's okay to ask for help. Mm. Right. So I model it. Isn't it wonderful that our oldest son, Matt, can come over and help fix this, right? Or whatever mm-hmm. it is. Um, I'm so glad we have a good plumber, right, in the family, right? And I'm so glad that, you know, um, we can, you know, my hairdresser, we talked about, you know, my hair when we first <laughs> came on and it's like, you know, like I need her. She makes me yeah. look good, right? So, and then, you know, the other thing I do is Tannen's really good with social media. So when I'm in electronics, so when I'm having trouble with my phone, she's the first person I go to because then she knows that, you know, I'm modeling. It's okay to ask for help, right? That's right. And she gets it. And so, you know, I really um, work work hard with her and with anybody who supports her. You know, we have our PDD caseworker. We have, she receives a, here in Alberta, that's the assured income for severely disabled. Um, all of those people that I connect with, as soon as they use the word independent, I'm like, whoa, 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 stop right there. Yeah. I do not use that. We right. are teaching Tannen to be interdependent. Right. Yeah. And that's how she will be successful. Right. Yes. We, um, you know, when she, she didn't finish high school and when she turned 19, she's like, mom, I want to get my certificate. I want to, I want to finish grade 12. And I couldn't find a school that would keep her safe. Right. Mm-hmm. Everything for adult learning to finish high school was inner city, which is the very place I needed to keep her away from. So right. 
after a lot of research, I probably made, I don't know, thousands of phone calls. I found a, the Center for Literacy here in, in Edmonton. And um, the executive director there um, got it. She has a son mm -hmm. who is autistic. So she understood what I was looking for. So I worked with uh, a program that the government here in Alberta has. It's called Advancing Futures for, um, Bursary. It's for kids in care to um, continue their education. And so we got funding, had to fight for it, but I got it, um, to hire a tutor to work with Tannen twice a week. And we started once a week, see what she can handle. And then we moved to twice a week. <clears throat> and she went from a grade two reading level to grade 10 in a year and a half. Wow. Wow. So proud of her. But it's mm -hmm. the, you know, and in that one-on-one -on -one being able to yes. work with somebody, you know, just the two of you um, yeah. made all the difference in the world. And then we started, you know, uh, worked on math, still struggles with math and money. We'll always need help with, with money, I believe. Yeah. Um, and when we got to the point where we thought she had attained everything she needed for a certificate of completion, um, which is the stream that she would have been in, um, the center did up a, a diploma or like a little certificate, big certificate for her. we. They framed it and we had a grad ceremony um, mm -hmm. at a restaurant. Um, I had one of the grad caps that the boys had worn and brought that and we had her, we presented her with her certificate and had her wear the hat and threw it in the air, took all the pictures and, then, and then we moved on. And we, she did her level one um, childcare um, certificate with her tutor and she completed that in October. And she's now mm -hmm. volunteering in a, um, out of school care and loving it, right? Um, and the goal is to have her work part-time, you know, a couple of times a week for three hours. And, you know, that'll be, you know, I don't think she can handle more than that, at least at the moment she can down the road, mm -hmm. you know, we'll extend the hours if we can. And uh, if we can't, that's okay too, right? Yeah. Um, but the daycare or the out of school care that she's working with, are interested in having me come in and, and train on FASD. So we're not only, mm. you know, um, working with Tannen to get her, you know, employed, but helping to spread the word as well. So, you know, yeah. it's that interdependence that, you know, having the tutor has helped her get there. And, you know, we're, we're um, I'm so thankful. Um, the bursary funding is done now. Sadly, we're finished. But Catherine, her tutor, has become a huge part of her life. Aww. And so we're, um, you know, we're going to go for lunch and we're going to celebrate um, the end of that tutoring. But they will always be friends now. Right. She has her, her phone number. They text back and forth. It's, it, it's yeah. She's a yeah, huge part of our village. Right. Yeah, that's great. And how old again is Tannen now? Tannen's 25. Wow. Wonderful. Well, I know we could talk forever, but we we can't because uh, you're you're at work and, and I've got to get more work done. But 
Um, but as we wrap up, Lori, any, because like I said earlier, our primary listeners are adoptive and foster parents, some kinship caregivers, and um, some of them may, may know that they're on the FASD journey with their kiddos. Some might not be sure, but um, as we wrap up, would you offer a word of encouragement to our listeners? Oh, you know, our kids are amazing human beings. Yeah. They are resilient. They are um, some of the most loving, most talented um, individuals on the planet. Um, and when we can accommodate them and understand that they're not doing to us, they can do amazing things. They can mm -hmm. go places that we never imagined. Um, I, I, you know, there's so many out there, um, such good role models, Maggie May, RJ Formanek, uh, Amanda Burley, who Jeff worked with. Um, they've done so many amazing things with their life. You know, Rebecca Tulu, right? Um, mm -hmm. Amazing human beings. And they can get there when we can accommodate their needs. And so just, you know, love them. Make, make that adjustment, understand it's symptoms, not behaviors. And, you know, and, and I want to say thank you, right, to all those adoptive parents, because these kids are not easy. And they didn't choose this life, right? Mm -hmm. I've often said that our kids live with the consequences of FASD every moment of every single day of their lives. Yeah. And you know, we can't consequence. Consequencing is not going to cure brain damage. No. Right. So, you know, when we can have that empathy for them and understand just how hard it is for them, and yet most of our kids wake up every morning with a smile on their face mm -hmm. and they want to do good. Now, the smile might last, not last long, <laughs> but... They do. They want to do good. So keep up the good fight. Keep learning yeah. and find community. We're here for you. That's right. That's right. Oh, thank you so much, Lori. I appreciate your story and all that you're doing um, for Tannen and for everybody in the FASD community. Um, so grateful for all that you're doing. And thanks for being on the show. Well, thanks for having me and thanks for doing your podcast and for spreading the, you know, the awareness and, and for helping um, so many parents to become educated and, and get the tools that they need to not only survive, but thrive yeah. as, yeah. as parents. And, and, you know, it, it's, our community is small, but we're mighty, you know, we're mm -hmm. doing, we're doing amazing things and we're going to do even more. Yeah. Amen to that. Thanks so much. Thank you. What a great conversation with Lori Anderson. I hope that you were encouraged by um, her story. Um, what an incredible asset to the FASD community um, that she is certainly. And again, we will post a link to the FASD success uh, website where Jeff Noble's website, where um, Lori is a, a coach and a moderator through um, his group. So you can find her there. Of course, she's very active on social media as well. You can find her in all of those spaces too. Um, in addition to encouraging you, we do here also like to 
uh, equip you for your parenting journey, especially if you know or suspect that your child may have an FASD. So again, check out our website. I offer coaching as well. Uh, we have our workshops. We have our um, FASD hope for the FASD journey, uh, virtual support community, our online uh, support group. It is faith-based. Um, we find a lot of families um, are looking for that piece too um, in their support group. So check all of those things out on our website, justicefororphansny.org. Um, find us on social media. Our nonprofit, Justice for Orphans, is on both uh, Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn. Um, I'm on all those platforms as well, so you can look us up. Um, and again, thank you so much for being with us today. I am grateful to have you along for the journey. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Adoption and Foster Care Journey podcast, brought to you by Justice for Orphans. We hope you were encouraged today. Please be sure to subscribe to this podcast and leave a review and share it with your fellow foster and adoptive parent friends so they can be encouraged too. Be sure to find and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Justice for Orphans. And check out our website for vital resources at justicefororphansny.org.